within a bleak and dismal swamp, hidden beneath its murky waters, lies the headquarters of the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Doom. Hello and welcome to Camping with Owlbears. I am the Lonely Adventurer. Uh, it feels like I haven't podcast in forever, but I guess it was just November 30th. This is the last time, so... Well, maybe that's when I got my last messages. I'm not sure. <laughs> time is meaningless during the pandemic. Every day is a week, every week is a month, and every month seems to go by in one day. Uh, it's uh, very confusing for me, uh, especially working at home now and and uh, cohabitating with someone who has the erratic schedule of a nurse. Uh, I never know what day of the week it is or what the heck's going on. I'm glad I haven't missed any of the classes I've been teaching. I seem to be able to remember when Tuesdays and Thursdays happen. Um, but classes are over. I am in full prep mode for my uh, Design for Tabletop Gaming class next semester. I am ex- still extremely excited for this. Um, it is eating up all my free time. Um, and unfortunately, as a result, I've had to put my 5th edition uh, Reavers of Harkenwold game on hold. Uh, the guys, you know, they don't, well, they care, but they're they're perfectly understanding. Uh, and in fact, a couple of them are going to come forward and run some one-shots for us uh, and do some little stuff between... Uh, now and whenever I can get back to that. I told them it would be sometime in the new year when we can kind of wrap up that that adventure. We're in the, the end game, but unfortunately I have a lot of prep to do for it. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to have time to do that. Uh, so yeah, uh, luckily though, uh, the Albert Heist crew, we are still on track because um, their game being more self-directed. Uh, it's, it's funny, this, this kind of uh, feeds back into uh, my lecture that I plan on giving on uh, the sandbox, which I'm going to talk a bit in, about in a second here. But because their game is more self-directed, um, there's less work for me to do. There's more work to do up front where I had to build all the pieces of the world, but I did all that. And um, other than filling out some specifics like uh, treasure and then such in the Dead City of Iztac point crawl, that thing's good to go, and it's 26 points, so we've got months of gaming in there. Um, lots of factions to play with and it'll all just kind of happen at the table without me having to do a lot of prep work um other other than you know what i what i what you normally have to do in a game like that where something weird happens in one session and you need to be kind of react to it in the next uh speaking of which uh, i did work out their carousing kerfuffle uh, so to recap, uh, FJ, the Lord of Brewers Bridge, started a bar brawl that everyone was involved in. Uh, Belladonna, the halfling wizard, insulted a noble. Farcan, the elf, lost 3,000 gold in a, in a high-stakes uh, gambling game. Uh, JD, the owling wizard, woke up uh, pantsless and uh, possessionless in an alleyway. Uh, with all of his magic books and weapons stolen. Uh, Cletus ended up in the clink and had to pay a 500 gold uh, fine to get out. And who am I forgetting? Ah, uh, uh, yes, Mulch. Mulch, Mulch uh, opted out of carousing and decided to do philanthropy instead and uh, made lots of friends and has a permanent discount in all stores in town. Um, so yeah, so I managed to cobble together their uh, carousing results into some sort of a slightly plausible narrative uh, where they had sold 
a wagon full of mead, cider, and beer that they recovered from the ghost town of Brewer's Bridge to uh, Omen Half Ogre, the proprietor of the Golden Turnip in Haven. But they kept a few barrels aside to throw a rager, basically, before they headed out for the dead city of Iztec. And so they th threw open the doors to the inn, rented the place out for the night, and threw this big old party for, for anyone who happened along. And so I introduced a new faction into the city, uh, a bunch of kind of Shaolin... Uh, warrior monk women um, kind of part, kind of a mystery cult I guess uh, I stole their name the daughters of the fragrant void from uh, Jason uh, I'm forgetting Jason's last name off the top of my head from the gauntlet and the fear of the dragon uh, fear of a black dragon uh, podcast uh, I believe that's out of his game uh, Brindlewood Bay where you basically it's kind of Agatha Christie meets Call of Cthulhu and uh but the name is just so good and uh so uh yeah i stole that and uh so this group of monks that no one had seen before showed up uh, to this party as did most of the town and uh things kicked off when belladonna noticed one of the local nobles who was in town uh, who had come down to the celebration he'd had a bit too much to drink and uh was not uh was at the bar hitting on one of these monks and was not getting the message that she was uh, uninterested so belladonna stepped in uh, between this muscle-bound monk and this towering uh, dragon-born uh, noble this little halfling woman walks up and uh, uh, insults him badly and embarrasses him extremely badly and he stalks off in a rage uh, after half drawing his sword but he was stopped by his uh, his bodyguards uh, who you know explained that it would be beneath his dignity and that they should just take off uh, at which point uh, the monks start uh, ingratiating themselves into the party's uh, presence. Um, and I decided that this was their goal all along. Um, they had actually, the, the monk had encouraged the, had basically been looking to start an incident that would allow them to, to, to have an excuse to interact with the player characters because they were looking to rob them. Uh, they were successful with JD. They uh, drugged him and took all his stuff. Um, I don't know if owls have kidneys, but he woke up in a bathtub full of ice cubes uh, with a big scar where his owl kidney would be, and uh, as well as losing all his stuff. And they attempted to do the same to Belladonna. They wanted all the magic items, uh, the magic user stuff in their books. Um, but uh, her uh, mini goat at the last minute um, hopped down her shoulder and took a swig from her drink before she did and passed out cold, uh, which this kicked off the bar brawl. Uh, fade out to the next morning um, Cletus is in the clink because uh, he got thrown through the big plate glass window at the front of the tavern and had to pay a $500 fine for repairs and uh, drunken disorderly everyone else got off with a stern, stern warning and uh, and uh, after recovering their bugbear from uh, the Uliettes uh, decided to head out and find these monks and get JD's stuff back at which point they were confronted on the streets by the, by the noble um and originally I thought maybe this would be like a little, not a duel to the death, but some sort of a duel. And instead I decided to turn things on its head and actually had him act in a very non-medieval noble way uh, and uh, apologize for his inappropriate behavior uh, and actions and uh, got, to watch their, got to watch them deal with the fact that their expectations for that encounter had been uh, subverted. Um, so they had a, a fairly pleasant interaction with him, actually. Um, and it turned out that the noble and his, uh, his retinue had uh, hung around outside the tavern and witnessed the brawl happening and uh, 
still a little drunk at the time, so a little in his cups that evening, uh, thinking of revenge. They had followed the monks uh, who scuttled down a back alleyway to their lair, uh, which is good because uh, no one in town knew who they were or where they had come from. And so by way of uh, apologizing uh, for his crudeness and uh, acting beneath his station. Uh, he was very condescending and, and uh, upper class about it all. So it was a very kind of a, a backhanded, uh, left-handed uh, apology, I guess. You know, I'm sorry that you feel my words are offensive kind of a thing. Um, he had one of his, uh, his uh, men show the party where these monks were were hiding out, uh, an old abandoned temple down in the Mystics District, uh, kind of the seedier end of town. And so they scout the place out and decide that they're going to hop over a back wall into the garden and infiltrate this place and get their stuff back. Uh, Mulch then engages the front door guard in conversation about rocks and mushrooms and, and other things very slowly, as Mulch is, is wont to do, while the rest of the group uh, snuck around back and, and uh, into the garden, uh, where they were immediately assaulted by kind of uh, vampire vines and and, and uh, killer trees and whatnot. But Belladonna used her control plant spell to clear them a path into this uh, temple. Mulch spent the entire game at the front door talking to the uh, to the guard because Mulch's player, my wife Dorinda, passed out about 15 minutes into <laughs> the game, um, which no one but her was surprised by uh, because she had run a marathon that day. Um, this is a bit of an aside, but yeah, my wife is a runner and, uh, she, I have to listen to running stories and she has to listen to RPG stories and we both humor each other and we're both interested because it's something that our, our spouses are excited and passionate about. Um, but, uh, yeah, she ran a marathon. Uh, obviously, uh, large gatherings are not happening for obvious reasons. Uh, and so the way races work these days is you get your uh, your bib in the mail and it's up to you to go out and just run the race and then log online and it's an honor code kind of thing. Uh, you tell them when you ran and how far and what your times were and then that's that. Which is a tough way to run a marathon uh, or any race really but especially a marathon where a lot of what keeps you going are all the people who are out there cheering you on. Uh, so I spent six or seven hours uh, Saturday morning being my wife's van man. Um, you know, I had buckets of water, uh, uh, sort of a porta potty that we had rigged up. Um, normally there are porta potties along these routes also. Um, you know, snacks and food to refuel with and, and anything else she might need. And as she shed layers, uh, I would collect those from her and put them in the car and whatever. And uh, I just drove around to predetermined checkpoints throughout the day me and the dog hedgehog uh to cheer her on and a bunch of our friends came out at different points uh along the route and also cheered her on which was a uh, really great but yeah basically all by herself um she ran 26 and a half miles and then thought she was going to play dungeons and dragons ha <laughs> so anyway she passed out <laughs> the rest of the group infiltrates this uh this abandoned temple uh, and then it basically turns into the scene from Kill Bill where Uma Thurman fights like 150 crazy 88 guys uh, and then has the uh, the final confrontation with the, uh, I can't remember her name, she's got the, the cool meteor hammer with the blades on it. Um, and long story short, it was a big bloody brawl uh, that was just a loads of fun. So it was just a quick one shot. I grabbed uh, a generic cultist layer off of uh, Coins and Scrolls blogspot.com scribbles uh, site there where he uh, wrote up a one-page dungeon using one of Dyson Logos's uh, freely available maps and uh, yeah I kind of loosely ran things off of that 
and it was a it was a lot of fun. Turns out that they were actually uh, blight cultists in disguise, or sort of. Um, and it was just complete mayhem. The party's all fifth and sixth le le level. I was just using first level cultists for these monks. Uh, gave them some kind of like a firebender avatar powers, but nothing major. And uh, they had a good time just kind of plowing through them. Um, you, you don't often get to do that, especially in kind of older school games. You don't often get to just cut your way through swaths of goblins or whatever. So um, we had fun with that. They all I only gave them each like four hit points or something like that. So... Yeah, the fight was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, coming up FJ in the worst possible way all night long. FJ fell into a pit trap, not once, but twice the same trap. Um, I've, I've, I've learned my lesson with him, and I've discussed this before, but since his strength is so ridiculous, it's ineffective for me to throw physical combatants at him. Um, he just kills them all. He just, there's, I'd have to have a dragon in every encounter in order for it to be challenging for him in that way so I've been uh, learning to attack the other parts of his character sheet um, so to get over this this pit trap uh, once it had been sprung by JD who fell into it but then as, a, as an owl man can fly out of it um, JD had to hop across it at one point and failed their dexterity check and then had to hop back the other way again failed their dexterity check and then during the combat uh, as spells were flying uh, had the high priestess of uh, this cult uh, cast a spell called um oh what is it called it's come from, from a great little module called uh, temple of the blood moth oh exsanguinate that's it um so basically it's another dex uh it's, i think i had them it says save to dodge but i had them do a wisdom save instead and they failed that um and so fj's uh circulatory system was pulled out of the rest of their body and flung 40 feet away uh farcan was in the way though so farcan got hit by this uh spaghetti monster of fj's insides about 10 feet away and at the rest of fj's body just collapsed to the floor um the target's consciousness stays in the heart which is controlling the circulatory system and is able to move and attack normally but they are equipped equipmentless they are vulnerable to all forms of attack taking double damage um until they're able to crawl back into their body and uh that was just uh, a comedy of errors basically um FJ had to make a strength save, so I figured after one round they would be back in their body because their strength is really high, but they rolled really, really badly. Um, I've been kind of defaulting to, I guess this is in the glaive rules, but not one I'm ever really good at adjudicating. I always kind of mm, fudge my saves when or I, I not fudge them. I just I pick a difficulty number and say, oh, I roll this and you know give me wisdom and roll higher than whatever. But there's a, a the default setting in there is just fifteen. Uh, so roll a 15 or better. And I just I just kind of stuck with that, and it worked out really, really well, uh, for me anyway. FJ took three or four rounds to shove themselves back into their body. Uh, all the time, I'm describing them as basically like a, a piece of, of, of heavily buttered toast that fell on a filthy floor, and their circulatory system is just picking up all the dust and hairs and dead bug carapaces and whatever is on the floor of a gross old abandoned uh, template. And now all that stuff is inside FJ's body, um, so it's like, yeah, it's like putting on a very itchy, putting their skin back on felt like putting on a very itchy sweater. Um, and meanwhile, our, so our combat monster was, uh, removed from most of the combat while the rest of the, the party was, uh, hacking their way through these, uh, these monks. Um, eventually they confront the, the high priestess who is using all of JD's spells that they stole against the party. So she had cast a, a long gate on herself at one early in the combat and then using JD's. 
um, magic daggers, uh, shot her arms out 40 feet and was just hacking away at uh, the party who, who couldn't reach her in, in melee. And there was enough bodies between all of them that, that they couldn't uh, really get, uh, Farcan couldn't really shoot their bow very well. Uh, but eventually they, they did they did her some harm and she retreated uh, when they waited through the rest of the cultists and when they can, went to confront her in her inner chamber they found her dead emaciated husk laying on the floor um, and on the desk next to her was JD's magic jar which allows him to cast a spell magic jar where you put your consciousness into a vessel and from that vessel you can attempt to inhabit another creature and kind of as they kicked the door open they saw something kind of gross and serpentine like slithering out uh, just kind of the, the, the ass end of it slithering out the window um, and they, they recognized it as a piece of, like a, a, a living piece of the blight root um, or the ghost root I keep getting my names for all this uh, messed up but <laughs> anyway uh, so they realized there was a, a larger problem here this thing was loose in the city <coughs> pardon me so after recovering all of JD's stuff uh, they took it to the marshal the marshal uh, alerts the guards and they all head out with their torches and little medieval Greek fire throwers uh, looking to burn this thing out of the city or are unable to find it but uh, um, so somewhere in the city is potentially or in the sewers below the city is, is this thing that may return at a later date um, but we were you know we had a good time we wrapped it up uh, the guard that Mulch was talking to eventually just cut their own throat to uh, get out of the, the conversation with uh, with Mulch uh, and so there was really no one left to uh, to interrogate afterwards, um, which is probably stupid, but it, it worked within the context of uh, what that night's play was meant to be. And so I think next time we get together, they're going to pick up their new spells from uh, Druna Four Petals at the uh, Relics and Reliquary shops and then head out to the uh, the dead city of Iztec. I am excited that this game can continue. Um, as I said, all the work is done, basically. Well, I don't know if I said this is my second run second time recording so maybe i didn't say this but all the work on that point crawl is done uh bar some detail stuff of uh throwing in specific treasure for creatures and whatnot and if i have to i guess i can just roll the table to figure out what uh what they find uh but because all that work is done ahead of time I, i'm i'm confident i can keep running that this game uh while getting all the work i need to get done for my uh my topics class on design for tabletop role-playing games and let me pause here real quick so let's talk briefly about uh, about this class I'm teaching. I, I got a lot of lot of calls uh, on the, the episode where I read out one of the lectures, uh, one of the early lectures. Um, a lot of good feedback. Uh, thank you specifically, uh, Joe Richter of Hindsight List and the Wheel of Roll podcast, and Jason from uh, Nerds RPG Variety Cast, uh, calling it about older episodes. Actually, uh, I'm not going to play all that here because I've already rambled for almost 20 minutes. Um, but uh, feedback heard and received uh, to address a couple of the concerns that were brought up. Uh, uh, quickly, I guess, as quickly as I can. Uh, using terms like NPC and PC, uh, the acronyms of RPGs, and the concern that maybe the students won't be familiar with that. Uh, that's valid. Uh, I probably should have prefaced that before, uh, better before, or set it up better before I read it. Uh, most of my students will be familiar with that stuff. This, since this is a topics class, uh, which is basically a class designed around a professor's interest, so it's not an actual part of the curriculum, because it's an, a special interest elective, the majority of people signing up for it are already playing role-playing games and, and know a lot of this stuff. Um, at least that was my experience the, the first time I taught this class. I had one student who was unfamiliar with a lot of it, but uh, it, 
just in case, yeah, we do review all that stuff kind of day one, and I create a glossary for them also, so they're not completely unfamiliar with them. And actually, within the lecture, I, I don't use the acronyms. I actually wrote out player character, non-player character, and a little description of what those were. But for the purposes of the podcast, I just abbreviated because obviously all of you guys know know what those things are. Um, as to my heavy bias uh, against milestone uh, leveling versus uh, gold for XP or some other tangible item, uh, and my thesis for the class that I want to really focus on uh, the open world sandbox play versus narrative play. Definitely some of my personal bias coming in there. Uh, I am going to have to rephrase that just a little bit. I've been trying so hard to to be neutral, and obviously I'm not quite there yet. I need to keep working on that. Um, but the thing I really want to drive home with that is just that the 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 sandbox and the the XP for thing, whatever we want to call that, magical elephants, gold pieces, whatever. Um, it's all player directed versus milestones, which is kind of just tied into the story. Um, and I just putting, putting the onus on, on players to kind of go find their own fun. Um, I think a good example of that might be, um, or, or what I'm kind of getting at with that, or the kind of world I want to engender? Yeah, let's let's do that. So the original Star Wars trilogy is 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 a very cut and dry hero's journey, right? Uh, the the whole trilogy, and it's a great story, but you can't really play the Star Wars movies. But you can play in the Star Wars sandbox and do whatever you want. Uh, I think the best execution of this was actually the first Star Wars role playing game, the West End Games D six version. Um, Although definitely personal bias there, uh, since that was one of the first games I ever played. So obviously I, I have a quite an attachment to it. But I, I still I've revisited it recently actually, and I do think it emulates the kind of play I want to get into with the sandbox better than uh, the other versions of the game. I didn't I didn't dislike them, but I didn't like them as much. But the the the, the base assumption with the the West End Games version was that you're either playing kind of scoundrels out on the outer rim. Or you are, uh, what do they call them, uh, mission, special missions teams or spec op teams or something like that. Basically oddballs thrown together to work for the rebellion. Um, so outside the normal structure of things. And the game itself at several points tells you that it, it's up to you as the, as the players to go out and find your fun. Your job is to make trouble for the Empire if you're one of these spec op teams. Um, but how you do that and what you do is, is completely up to you. And so it was really kind of designed more on just here's a really interesting setting. What do you want to do in it? Um, and that's really kind of where I want to go with this class. The first time I taught this class, um, we did the hero's journey, actually. And it was a bit of a stumbling block for many of the students because they're not used to thinking in those terms. Uh, they're not used to thinking in terms of story, per se, um, which is interesting, I think, because a lot of what we are teaching, a lot of it is just technique and, and pra personal practices and, and whatnot, so that at the end of the day, they graduate ready to be with a toolbox, that the toolkit that they can go out and be successful commercial artists in a variety of fields. Um, but in everything from marketing, advertising, to obviously game design, uh, 
video be that video games or or board games or whatever um story is always important but that doesn't mean a three-act play it just means that there is some kind of engaging narrative there um but in, you know potato chip ads try to you know at, at all all advertising all marketing is trying to tell a story that engages with their audience um and on the yeah so i'm, I'm getting a little, little sidetracked here um the but but you doing that as a three act structure or like an adventure path structure was a bit of a struggle and we ended up spending a lot of time in that on that in class um part of that was down to me since it was the i've only taught this class once before and i was kind of not making it up as i went along but i didn't know going into the first class what would work and what wouldn't work um and we ended up spending more time on that than we did on the actual art stuff and that was okay uh their their artistic output was incredible uh was just absolutely great uh, which is the fun thing with topics classes because unlike my concept art class where that's a requirement for graduation for the students some of them are there because they're interested and some of them are there just because they have to be there and so you get a real kind of uh, uneven uh results depending on how much work they all put in or just what you know what they're passionate about um whereas with these topics classes you don't have to take them they're just fun electives and so you're only getting people who are, are interested in the subject so they tend to do their best work um but while we were we were successful there was a lot of time spent on on kind of things that are important uh from a gaming point of view but not important from an artistic point of view if, if that makes sense uh so i'm hoping with the sandbox approach we're basically kind of cutting that out we're going to create lots of little areas of interest but the student it's not on the students in the class to then say all right what's the what's the actual adventure at this old at this abandoned temple at this underground dungeon it's just presenting an interesting environment where lots of different things could happen in the same way that the the star wars role-playing game is just like here's an interesting sector with a bunch of factors lots could happen but what exactly happens is up to you at the table as you play. So I'm hoping that that switch of focus um, frees up more time to develop arts, art assets and character design and whatnot. Um, one thing I'm finding as I prep for class that's kind of funny is one of the big assumptions with sandbox play, at least old school sandbox play, let's say, um, you know, it's, it's the, the disposability of your characters because they're, you know, they're simple and they're frail and it's, it's all about the world and exploring the world. And the world is the star, right? Not the characters. Um, it's assumed that you're going to go through a bunch of them, but collectively they're going to have this really interesting experience. Um, but when you spend time visually designing a character, so I'm, I've been working my way through my first assignment for the students which is designing a character uh we're going to generate them completely randomly uh using the the tables in uh engrave to get a bunch of prompts so visual prompts backstory prompts um and they're just kind of then taking those traits and saying right, what sort of a character does this sound like and then designing to that um the thing I'm finding is, you know, it's not quick to design a character. I've got, I've put at least six hours of work, maybe eight, into doing the first project myself uh, to see how it goes. 
and I am now thoroughly attached to this character that I've designed. <laughs> so I can never use her in a game. I don't want her to die. Um, I want to. I want to know what her story is, and I want to have a big narrative uh, arc with her. So I'm I'm my own worst enemy with these things. I can't help it. Um, yeah. We'll see how this plays out. Um, but again, we're not going to actually play, so it doesn't... Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I do hope by the end of the semester we can actually get a little gaming in. That would be fun. Uh, that had been my intention with the last class, the first class I taught this, but uh, it was the fall semester. And during finals week, we were going to do a game day. Everyone's going to come in for five or six hours, and we're, everyone's going to spend time running their little two-hour scenarios for a small group of students and they'd all get a chance to do that um, and of course we got one of the, our very rare uh, snowstorms in Richmond the, the day we had planned for that and then the school just closed and said you know what it's Christmas break we're closed <laughs> don't come back um, and, it, and it unfortunately never happened so but now it's it's spring semester that I'll be teaching at this time so it'll be gross hot muggy Richmond summer and we're all remote anyway so I guess it doesn't matter uh, so hopefully we'll get to do a little gaming. I'm kind of hoping over the course of the class also, if any of them are interested, um, we'll get to do some short little one shots, maybe outside of class, maybe as an, not even as an extra credit thing, but just as a little something I offer on the side. Um, I find I'm much more comfortable with that stuff now than I was three years ago the first time I taught this class. I was very insecure about it because I, 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 I put this topic forward at the time and I'm psyched for it, but I was always, you know, I had that little bit of gamer embarrassment um, and I have learned to just let go of that now um, and just kind of just, you know, like what I like. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to do that. We'll see. All right, I'm not going anywhere with this, so I'm going to, I'm going to, cut it off here hopefully i'll be back soonish we are gaming tomorrow night with the owlbear heist crew so i'll definitely have something to podcast about in the near future until then uh everyone stay safe and game on and uh lonely adventurer signing off lonely adventure out i got i forgotten my own outro take oh gosh it's been too long since i did a uh since i did a podcast Ugh. okay lonely adventurer out